In the entertainment capital of the world, it's the T.C. Martin Show. We are seeing a special performance in this first half tonight. The doctor operates here. Oh, he has trouble with the spin. Time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Hey, it was BYOG, bring your own guts. And they brought some guts and some heart, and they never quit. The doctor is now in. And good Monday to you, Martin Luther King Day. Glad to have you with us. It is a Monday and a very, very busy Monday. And uh, a lot of people taking the day off today or have the day off as a holiday. So if you're joining us, maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time, glad to have you with us. It is the T.C. Martin Show, along with perfectly Frank Harnish, VGK Frank, Ballpark Frank in the house, by my side today, Numchuck on the other side of the proverbial glass. Not proverbial, it's real. I've got a little Windex on there today, too. I, I like that. All right. A lot to recap today. The divisional round, the NFL playoffs, we are now down to four. You know, the four best teams there? I think so. All right, we'll uh, break it all down for you today, recap what our eyes saw Saturday and Sunday, and uh, start looking ahead to the NFC and AFC Championship game coming up next Sunday. T.J. Reeves is going to join us today. Oh, yes, is he fired up? Is he excited? The Bucks sideline reporter there in Tampa Bay as Tampa Bay gets the upset over the New Orleans Saints yesterday. So looking forward to talking with T.J. I, I'm sure he is probably looking more forward to joining us because this guy is uh, hes a homer of all homers. And uh, I understand. I mean, he is now going to get uh, another week and uh, – a chance to possibly go to Lambeau Field because, you know, the, the broadcasters of the visiting teams haven't been able to travel all year. So uh, hopefully he gets a chance to, to go to Lambeau for the NFC Championship game. But that means uh, another paycheck in the Reeves uh, uh, household. And uh, so his twins will maybe get uh, another meal or two this weekend. Honking the horns in the drive-thru right now probably <laughs> as we speak. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Next hour, we're going to talk to Dan Pat over the – General manager of the Las Vegas Aces as well. And obviously, as we talked about last week, uh, big news here in Las Vegas as the Las Vegas Aces were sold to Mark Davis. So that's some big news. Not sure Dan's really going to be able to talk too much about that because this deal is not official yet. But as we uh, talked about last week with the press release, we uh, got a statement from Mark Davis. We got a, a statement from the MGM uh, and uh, both saying this is intimate, it's happening, it's on its way. But I know that uh, Bill Lambeer officially can't come out and say, hey, we're sold. And I don't think Dan Padover can say that just yet. But uh, we'll, we'll touch base, go as far as we can with that, and we respect that. But uh, we'll talk about uh, free agency because this is the WNBA free agent uh, signing periods that uh, we're approaching this coming week. And uh Hopefully we get to have WNBA basketball back at the Mandalay Bay. So a little Aces update uh, a little bit later on the show uh, today. Yeah, and I know that you're looking forward to that, to being on the sidelines again and announcing the games and having some fans in the stand and uh, doing all that. And, of course, one of the people that was in the stands all the time was Mark Davis. And, you know, now he's going to be there as in the owner's box. So, uh, yeah. you know, but knowing him, he'll probably still be right down there courtside oh. for the games. Yeah, yeah, he has his seat right there at, uh, you know, front row, midcourt, and uh, he enjoys it. So it, it's it's a great fit. And it's when great. you say front row, you don't mean the Euchre front row. You mean the actual front the row. The actual front row, yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> Talking section 446 over at uh, Miller Park, you know, the, the Euchre seats. Oh, yeah. Oh, classic stuff. All right. Want to start the show talking uh, just for a moment about Martin Luther King Day because, you know, we don't dive into politics. We don't dive into to that. And again, really not the forum at all for sports. But uh, this is a day I felt that is a good day to just think about what has transpired over the last year regarding social injustice, because what has happened you know, over the last year and the better part of 2020 really turned our country ugly, as we know, turned it divided, and it spilled over to the sports realm and our everyday lives as well. So I just want to throw this out there. And again, it, it, it's a day that I, that I think about. And again, you know, being, being a guy who has a, a real diversified background, friend circle, and that sort of thing, 
it's just, you know, something to remember this day. And I think a lot of times I have taken Martin Luther King Day for granted, but everything that transpired with the riots, with the social injustice, and everything that we have had to endure as a country over the past year, uh, it just it just made me think that, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. fought and pleaded for the opposite of all that. I mean, he fought and pleaded for unity and equality. And it doesn't matter what your political views are. doesn't matter what you think about, um, you know, you know uh, anything for that, for that matter. But uh, just think about what it's like for people of color, different races, different uh, ethnicities, you know, what the challenges that they have had gone through, uh, specifically in our society for a long time. I mean, decades and decades and decades when we thought things would become much better, and it really hasn't. And then everything just kind of came to a head during uh, this past year uh, again. So Martin Luther King Jr. didn't want black supremacy. He didn't want that. He just wanted equality, and he wanted equality for everybody. It didn't matter if you were black, if you were white, if you were Hispanic, if you were Asian. It did not matter your race. It it's all about equality. And when you go back and you know, listen to those speeches or you, you, know, you do your homework, look at videos, read articles, or if you're old enough and you, and you remember you know, when, when he was a driving force uh, with that. But uh, again, Martin Luther King Day today, just a, a good time to think, reflect, and, uh, and honor this man's legacy. Yeah, I mean, you said a lot there, and there's a lot to uh, unfold from that. When I think of this day, I think of a lot of different things. One of the things I often think of is if Martin Luther King were still alive today, would he be happy with the progress? Would would he be upset with it? I mean, you know, some people are going to say, well, there's been a black president. There's now about to be a black female vice president. But, you know, there's still so much to do. There's still a you could argue in a lot of ways that the country is more divided now than it was even back in 1968 when he got assassinated. So, you know, I mean, there has been leaps forward there's also been you know it's kind of like the old Paul abdul dual song you know you know one step forward two steps back or whatever mm-hmm. so there's been a lot of back and forth there the one thing that i thought you think that you said that i agree with and i don't know that everybody realizes it it's it wasn't just about black civil rights and that it was about everybody i remember reading uh kareem abdul jabbar way back when he was still luel sindor and when he talked about when he first met Bruce Lee, and of course he was in the, mo- the, the one Bruce Lee movie, and he mentioned the fact that when he met Bruce Lee was the first time that he thought of racial inequality with more than just black and white because of the inequality that Bruce Lee had gotten in the movie business and TV roles and things like that. And he said, wow, you know what? This is a little bit bigger and different than I even realized. And that's why they became such good friends. And, and there is racism. And, and, you know, you don't have to be white to be a racist. You don't have to be black. Racism is racism when you see anything wrong with any of the other things out there, with any other race or religion or creed or sexual sexuality or whatever. So there's a lot of different things out there. And we have made a lot of advancements. I still think there's a long, long way to go. And let's be honest about it. I think we all need to have an open mind. And there's going to be some people whose minds will never, ever, ever change on it. And that's the sad reality. Yeah, totally, totally agree with that. I think, again, it's days like today that, you know, you should think and, and, and remember some of this stuff and just kind of kind of check yourself to, to a certain degree. I think everybody should do that and, and remember what it's all about. It is, it is equality, and that's all it's ever been about. And you're right. That when you go, go back and you look at 2020, we have taken steps backwards, and, and that's the shame. And we've seen athletes stand up for it. We've seen athletes, uh, not just athletes, but everyone. But again, when it crosses over the sporting world, it gives us a kind of an opportunity to talk about it where we're not kind of really being out of bounds with it, so to speak. And uh, it's, it is close to the heart of a lot of people, not just black people, but white people. Like I said, Hispanics, Asia, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. So it's, just, it's, it's a, a good time just to think and reflect, and hopefully we are making some strides. You know, uh, We haven't had a whole bunch of talk and seen a whole bunch of protests recently. That's a great thing. But as we know, just one moronic move by, um, you know, someone who has bigotry in their heart or hatred in their heart, 
uh, it could flip upside down again and we could be on the verge of, of what transpired for the better part of 2020. And we don't want to do that. And what's even more dangerous about that kind of stuff is, like you say, it only takes one person to have that kind of stuff and then they spread it around. And that's one of the things that social media has done. And I know when social media first came out, I don't know if you're, what your thoughts were. When it first started out, I said this could be the greatest thing of all time or it could be Pandora's box because now everybody has a voice and everybody has a say. And a lot of people that kind of had thoughts or whatever but would kind of stay in the closet with them, now it justifies in their mind a lot of things that they're thinking and that sort of stuff. So, you know, it is a dangerous, slippery slope that we go down. But, you know, the one thing about it is whatever your views are, try to be open-minded Try to have a good heart. And remember, violence is never the thing. One of the things that Martin Luther King stood for was non-direct aggression. You know, the non-direct, non-violent movement. You know, that's the kind of stuff that he did. Violence isn't the answer. Blowing up buildings and beating people over the head and things like that, that's what's wrong. That's not the solution. And I know that some people are still spewing that, well, you got to spill blood. You got No, you don't. You don't. Not, not if you really want to do it right. Be like Martin Luther King. Be like Gandhi. Be like other people who are out there. You know, have your say. Be, be, be absolutely committed to the cause if you want to be. But I had a buddy who was in the Marine Corps years ago, and he said his drill sergeant said, remember this, when you guys go into town tonight, they were over in Okinawa. It was the first time that he was overseas. He said, my right to swing my right hand ends where your face begins. <laughs> we all have freedoms, but you have to respect other people's freedoms absolutely. as well. Absolutely. And remember, if uh, to, uh, you think it might offend someone else, and you know, we've talked with several of our guests who said that. You know, Charles Mann has talked about that when we talked about the Washington football team and what they went through. And you know, hey, it might not be offensive to me, but if you think it might be offensive to someone else, then then it's offensive to someone else. So, Martin Luther King Day, just a good day to 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 think about all of this stuff. So, all right. Back to sports, back to football. Monday afternoon quarterback edition of the T.C. Martin Show here. Down to four teams. Do we have the four best teams vying for the championship? I say absolutely yes, we do. And the New Orleans Saints proved, again, that they are not one of the four best teams. And I don't want to pile on Drew Brees because I think the world of Drew Brees. Drew Brees is going to be in the Hall of Fame someday. Whether Drew Brees is actually going to retire, and we saw his last football game yesterday, I don't know. To me, that's, that's not really a conversation for today. Today's conversation is to go back and look at that game and why the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defeated the New Orleans Saints yesterday. And it came down to one thing. It was very, very simple. You could say Brady, uh, Brady and Breeze, but the bottom line is it was turnovers. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers had no turnovers, and the Saints had four. That was it. They had, they had, they had a fumble. They had three uh Costly interceptions by Drew Brees. Was it all on Drew Brees' shoulders? No, you know, not at all. But um, you know, this has been a season where a lot of people have, I want to say, maybe read a little bit too much into Drew Brees' age. And it's always convenient when we see someone start to fall back a little bit. They think, okay, he's too old. He can't do this anymore. Well, he just celebrated what, his 42nd birthday on Friday. Uh, just did not have a good game. But let's go back to Tom Brady, his uh, you know first couple games with Tampa Bay, even even later in the the season in November, I think it was November the eighth when they played the Saints and the Saints beat him thirty eight to three. Everyone was talking about oh Brady's washed up, he's washed up. Well, look what Tom Brady's done since that game and what he's done specifically over the last four or five games and what he did yesterday was great. Now neither Breeze or Brady had terrific numbers; they both had incompletions. You know, I don't want to say, you know, quite a bit. Each guy, you know, was about, you know, you know, give or take, you know, like 15 for, for 28 or so, something along those, you know, and we'll get into the numbers here. But the bottom line is that Brady was better than Breeze yesterday. Neither guy had a real high completion percentage, but Brady had the two touchdowns and no interceptions. Breeze had the one touchdown and the three costly interceptions. So when it comes to turnovers, the team that turns the ball over, is going to lose basically 100% of the time, and that's what happened you know, yesterday. Yeah, it, it certainly didn't help the turnovers whatsoever. I really do think that New Orleans did miss Hill 
just for that throwing that extra little wrinkle in there. I'm not going to say that that was the reason they lost the game because I do think it was Breeze. And I'm still not sure on that second interception he threw if he thought it was his fault and he made the wrong pass or if he was mad at the receiver for not being on the same page with him. But uh, the third one obviously went off a receiver's arm, so you know that one's not on him. But the first two were. It was a terrible time to have a bad game like that. And one of the big differences in the game was you, you, you mentioned Brady didn't have interceptions. Well, New Orleans did have one or two that they could have intercepted. They didn't catch them. Right. So Tampa Bay capitalized on the opportunities they had. They didn't make mistakes, and they won the game. Drew Brees had one of his, if not worst, game of the season and picked a horrific time to have it. Yeah. I mean, he threw interceptions. They got behind. Uh, you know, uh, kudos to Tampa Bay for taking Kamara out of the game. Uh, essentially, I mean, you know, he's been running all over the place, scored six touchdowns a few weeks ago in a game. Uh, they said, you're not going to beat us. They almost challenged Breeze to throw the ball, and then they took advantage of it. They, they obviously had a good game plan. They looked at some of those film from earlier games. They knew some of the tendencies, and it almost looks sometimes like the DBs for Tampa, for, for Tampa were more in sync to what Breeze was going to do than the New Orleans receivers. And that's never a good thing for a quarterback and a team. Yeah, they were jumping routes. And they, they, they played pretty darn well, especially in the second half. And, you know, I talked about it last week that this Tampa Bay defense, especially against the run, has, has been much better as of late. And this is a team that is starting to play some good football. And that's why I said, mm, this could be a game. And we go back and say, okay, the Saints have got their number. This was the... Most healthy the Saints have been. And you saw that with Levante David on the defense, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Those guys, we saw guys play more snaps yesterday than we've seen at any point in time during this year. So it was a, a great time for Tampa to get healthy. Were they motivated? No doubt about it. But let's remember, I mean, for the better part, I'd still say three quarters, maybe even more than three quarters, the Saints were in control of this game. And I think a lot of people still thought that the Saints were going to win this game. I was watching the in-game line wagering pretty closely during this because I had Tampa Bay on a teaser yesterday, and I was thinking, okay, and being the last game, I may have a good shot for a middle here. And Tampa Bay, or rather, New Orleans was still the favorite going up till I'd probably want to say about the 7-8 minute mark in the game where that was the consensus that they're going to come back and they're going to take the lead. And you had to give up like minus three, three and a half at one point in time. Then it went down to two and a half. Then it went down to one and a half. And it wasn't until till Tampa Bay scored that last touchdown where Tampa became the favorite because I don't know about you, but I still had that feeling that the Saints could come back because the Saints were moving the ball pretty much at will, at least especially in the first half. And they left some some opportunities out on the field for you know, not having a lead at halftime instead of a 13-13 tie. Yeah, they moved it between the 20s. They did, right. Yeah, but again, you know, it was it was just, it was unfortunate. And I think Drew Brees is going to get ripped. Just And I, I saw it so much today from the media, just ripping Drew Brees. And again, it was unfortunate. But again, you can't vilify this guy. He's had a great career. And if he wants to step down, Hey, let him step down. That's fine. But I don't even think Drew Brees needs to make that decision today. I don't think he needs to make that decision. I think there's going to be conversations there. I'm, I'm sure that he doesn't want to go out like that. Right. In fact, I know he doesn't. No, but nobody wants to go out like that, especially when you've had a, a storied career like he's had out there. But there's one thing, too, for anybody vilifying him or ripping him, like you said, on social media and the media or anyplace else out there. I've seen it on ESPN today. It was ridiculous. This guy literally had his entire rib cage and everything cashed in, yeah. crushed with a punctured lung Weeks not long ago. ago. Yeah. Weeks ago. You know, we would probably still be in the hospital from that sort of thing. And maybe not me because I'm an idiot. I left after a day after breaking my neck. But most normal people would be there and should be there. He's out on a football field trying to win an NFL playoff game to get to the conference championship. The fact that he's even on the field, it's maybe not Alex Smith incredible this year for stories, but it's pretty damn impressive and pretty damn incredible. You know, I'm sure he's still hurting. I'm sure that rib cage and breathing and everything else is still a little bit difficult for him out there. So if you're going to rip this guy, put your feet in his shoes for a second and ask where you would be at this stage of his comeback. Because I guarantee it wouldn't be quarterback in an NFL game in a playoff series. Right. 
And here's the thing about Taysom Hill. And again, the convenient, easy argument is like, oh, they missed Taysom Hill because they lost the game. And I'm going to take the other side of that. I don't think so. Because in a playoff game of this magnitude, like you said, winners going to the, to the NFC Championship game, Taysom Hill is going to probably play at quarterback, at the quarterback position, maybe five or six snaps. That's all he's going to play. Now, they could bring him in and do some, some gadget play or something like that, line him up as a wide receiver, maybe line him up as, as a tailback, go in motion, do a flea flicker, something of that nature. So let's say Taysom Hill, you, you lost him maybe for, let's say, 10 plays. You want to be you know, throw it out there, a dozen plays. Okay, and how many of those plays would he really have an effect? We said before, you lose momentum when you take Drew Brees out of a game in the middle of a drive and you come in there and you bring Taysom Hill. And especially after what we saw, the, the interception he threw against the Bears last week, he's probably not going to go back and, th- and throw a pass again. When he comes in, it's going to be Wildcat. He's going to keep the ball for the most part. Yeah, he might throw a wide receiver screen, something of that nature, because, again, he's played a lot of quarterback this season, having to fill in for Brees. But if you're thinking that he's going to play – 20, 30 snaps, not happening. Hasn't happened all year. The only time it's happened when he has been the starting quarterback. So I think that would be uh, an effect for them. But it wasn't an effect you know, yesterday because he would have had a very, very limited capacity, in my opinion, yesterday. Had no bearing on the game whatsoever. Right. And, and of course, we'll never know for sure because it, 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 he didn't play, so we won't know exactly what would have happened. And that's why I... I preface what I said earlier when I said I thought they missed him. I thought they missed him from just an added wrinkle and something else that Tampa would have to prepare for and something else that maybe it works. And maybe if he does throw a pass, maybe it does work and that's that's a little added wrinkle and, and it adds something to their game plan. I don't think they would have won the game with him. But especially with Bree struggling a little bit in that, it would have been nice to have a different option. I still think Tampa Bay won the game. I think Tampa was the better team yesterday. Maybe not early on in the season, but we're not early on in the season. We're at this point of the season now. And once again, I think a lot of people have learned at this point of the season, you do not bet against Tom Brady. (laughs) You know, I mean, the guy's got a pretty good track record out there. Drew Brees is a Hall of Famer. Tom Brady is, and I don't even know how arguable it is anymore, he's the GOAT. He's the greatest of all time. Does that mean he wins in Green Bay this coming Sunday? Well, there's still a lot of different factors there. They're facing probably the best team in the NFL right now, certainly the team that's been playing that way for quite a while. And last I looked, Tom Brady still doesn't play defense, so I don't know how that helps him slow down Aaron Rodgers and the offense. But Drew Brees had a miraculous comeback. He tried to get his team there, and yes, I don't think Hill would have won the game for him, but I would have liked to see how they could have implemented him and tried to do something. And I'll be totally honest, too. They did use Winston in a play, and that one worked play. out pretty well for him. Exactly. That's you what know? I was just going to say. Exactly. You know, I think they could have used Hill a little bit more and in different ways. But, yeah. again, we'll never know, so I can't say. But, uh, yeah, I, I think the better team won yesterday, and I think the best four teams remaining are playing right now. And I hope I'm absolutely 100% wrong about who the best team is. <laughs> The Packers defeat the Rams 32-18. to Rodgers, phenomenal again, 23 for 36, 296 yards. The two touchdowns and the ever-important no interceptions. Talked about Aaron Jones Friday on our best bets. Aaron Jones, 14 carries, 99 yards, giving that Packers uh, offense that dimension there. And Green Bay ran. Think about this. Green Bay ran for 188 yards, which typically they don't do. And no one thought that they would do that against the number one or so-called number one rated defense in the National Football League. Green Bay piled up 484 yards against that Rams vaunted D yesterday. And I don't know, I'm not going to say I told you so or pat myself on the back, but that's the way I saw this game unfolding. The Rams defense, we have seen them give it up against lesser teams. And I said earlier, the Jets and the Dolphins and the 49ers twice, and we saw it. Green Bay, you're not going to go up to Lambeau Field and face that machine with a banged-up Aaron Donald, and obviously he was banged up. He was not a factor, like we talked about on Friday. And, you know, when you texted me early in the day, hey, Cooper Cup's out, I'm going, I just wanted to go hammer that some more. I said, okay, you know, because for me, that was the piece. I mean, it's like, kind of like not having Tyree Kill for the Kansas City Chiefs. What Cooper Cup brings to that team is something else, especially when you have a limited Jared, Jared Goff. 
Okay? And, you know, he wasn't very good. He, he was better than he was last week in Seattle. But, again, going against the Packers, going against that offense, and it just goes to show you, people always talk about defense wins championships. I subscribe to that theory. However, when you have the top offense in any sport, the top offense against the top defense, the top offense always wins. Now, if you have a meddling offense and maybe say, you know, number five, number six offense against the number one defense, yeah, then I'm going to take the defense. But the top O always beats the top D. That's been proven. That's why you have these totals that we have in the NFL because it's all about the offense and the schemes. And you talk about the Jameis Winston play yesterday. You know where Sean Payton got that, don't you? He got it from the Bears game the week before. And he said, he goes, wow, what they did to us on that play where, and we talked famously, you talked famously about it last week, about dropping that in the end yeah. zone. Yep. Could have been a, you know, a game changer, at least made a difference. Peyton looked at that and said, man, how do we get burned on that? So he implemented that all week. And he said, Jameis Winston, you're going to get a chance to do this against your old team. And if you look at the two plays, the, the way the Bears ran it, the way the Saints ran it, it was identical except one went for a touchdown and one went empty. Yeah, and again, I mean, you said a lot there, and I agree with it for the most part. And, you know, we'll see what happens now. But I do think Green Bay is playing the best right now. I know you guys kind of laughed a little bit when I said that I was wondering if it was a trap game with the Packer game. And you said, well, there's not a trap game in the playoffs. And I said, no, I don't mean that. I mean the line. Yep. Are they trying to get people to bet the other side, making it? Because I still don't understand how that wasn't a double digit line. I, I couldn't comprehend how Green Bay, with Goff being injured, with Darnold being hurt, with everything else and in Lambeau, I, I thought that was the easiest bet of the playoffs, one of the easiest bets of the year because of that line. And, and I just didn't understand that. It almost seemed like, why isn't it higher? And again, for the reasons that we talked about last week, it's like the Rams defense gets too much love. Too much. Too much. But And you got to go back and you got to look. When have the Rams been a seven-point underdog at any point in the season? No, and, and I get None. that, but, but also what but you said. Why. But also yeah. what you said, the number one against the number one, and especially in this day and age where all the advantages go to the offense. Defense has won championships in the past, I believe. I don't know that that's the case anymore because of all the rule changes. You right. breathe on a guy, there's a flag coming out now. It's a lot different. That's why guys that are 42 and 43 years old can still be elite quarterbacks in this league. No doubt. Because they don't take the pounding. No doubt. No doubt. All right. So we'll preview this coming up uh, in our next segment as well, too. Packers playing the Buccaneers. Our guy TJ Reeves will join us here in a matter of moments. A little bit later on, we'll talk about what we saw in the AFC over the weekend as well, too. So a lot of football to talk about. A little Monday afternoon quarterback edition. T.C. Martin, Frank Harnish. We are here on a Monday T.C. Martin show. We talk Buccaneers victorious. And what is the feeling in Tampa Bay? T.J. Reeves joins us next. Second and nine now. This one's picked. Intercepted by the Bucks. And it's Murphy bunting down the sideline. He is going to be marked out at the three. An interception by Sean Murphy bunting. His second of this postseason, and that is instant life for the Buccaneers. Oh, yes. Can you imagine that plane ride back from New Orleans to Tampa? little celebration was going on. There he is, ladies and gentlemen. He's pumping up his radio right now. It's Mr. T.J. Reeves with the creamsicle, the putrid, orange, red, whatever he's got going. Let me hear you say, come on, T.J. Reeves. Shake it up a little bit for me. You're a contemporary of mine, and you're busting out cool in the gang after that. The problem is, with the exception of Brady, like none of the players on the team know that song after last night. But I am, I am grooving to it on on a Monday. I, we must have done something right. I must have done something right. Wasn't I just on this show you were last t- weekend? I'm already back on Monday. All I know is the fourth quarter is still going on. VGK Frank, Nunchuck, TC Martin Show audience. Devin White is not even out of bounds on that interception return on that clip you played. And T.C. Martin is already booking me for the first hour of the show today, guys. I mean, he could not wait or hesitate. I'm getting text messages from everybody, including T.C. I'm like, the game ain't over yet, babe. 
And he's like, no, no, first hour, first hour tomorrow. You're in. You're in. Plain and simple. And I told you earlier, and here, let's, let's remember who started the texting. You're texting me during the game. I'm going, you got to be working. Aren't you in the middle of work right now? Well, Stay focused, you young to, man. I love it, you though. You have to understand, I am focused on what I'm doing, but I'm answering numerous people constantly, <laughs> including including relatives, including work friends who know that I'm working, and it's just easy to answer everybody at once with kind of the same one-word message. So you were getting some of that mm-hmm. some of the time because I think, I think we've been conversing before the game. Here's what I really want to know. When I left the airways last Thursday on this award-winning, massively popular program, you had not yet said officially if you were going the way of the Brady-led Bucks plus the three or the three-and-a-half what, in fact, did happen, my friend, after I left last Thursday? Did you, did you get down on those Tampa Bay Buccaneers prior to that win over the Saints? What is the truth? Let's get to the bottom of it right now. I uh, talked about it on Friday with the best bets. Yeah. And teaser, pleaser, Buccaneers, reindeer, <laughs> cashmere, took me to Bro. the cashier. That's Bro. right. And his money. That's right. Yeah, I had the Bucks plus 10. And uh, was never really threatened. Oh. Yes, I was there. I was on the Bucks. Very easily could have went the Saints way because Frank and I were talking, well, wait a minute, you know, it makes a lot of sense, this and that. But no, I listened to my man, TJ Reeves, listen about mm. the GOAT. And yes, I, and where it came down to me, and we talked about this, was that I trust Brady more than I trust Breeze. And there was just something about Breeze what I've seen over the last month of the season, especially since he came back with the broken ribs, that's something I just didn't feel right about. And I, I figured, okay, Tampa's going to make those adjustments. We talked about it on Thursday about yep. how that Buccaneers defense, as much as I really don't care for the secondary, you swayed me, TJ, when you said, you know, they're, they're going to be more healthy now than they have been. And, and, and seeing David and, and, and seeing those guys out there, and uh, yeah, I just uh, I, I, I went with the Bucks. It was it was like my number four pick though. I didn't feel as confident as the others. But again, yes, yeah, Tampa Bay plus double digits. So uh, I, I was very happy um, the, in, that I was happy for you. Is happy for Brady because I've always liked Brady. And uh, yes, it was a it was a very very good well, weekend. Here's the things we know. We we know the Bucks were highly motivated after being embarrassed back in November and hearing all week about how you haven't beaten this team this season, and in fact you hadn't beaten them going all the way back into the middle of the 2018 season. They had won five times in a row, and the and the Saints. I'll just I'll share it with you because some players have shared it with me over the course of the last two or three years. They're not exactly stellar guys and great guys to be around and great guys to be on the field with at all times. And you saw a lot of that chippiness going on, especially with Marshawn Lattimore uh, in the secondary. Former Florida Gator uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, as he's known, is a dirty player. This is the guy, this is the guy that provoked two different Chicago Bears, VGK Frank, to get ejected from the regular season game and then one more from the playoff game, Anthony Miller, uh, last week, I mean, there's a there's an internet clip out there from the Fox broadcast of him throwing a punch at Leonard Fournette's kidney after a play, trying to provoke a fight. And how the refs didn't see that and didn't throw him out, I don't know. So there, there's not a lot of love lost privately between Buccaneers and Saints. So that was motivation number one. Number two, I think you're right on Drew Brees uh, post the ribs being busted up, 42 years of age as he turned 42 on Friday night. He can't throw the ball deep down the field anymore. They just don't do it. You saw him try it in the second half one time, and he barely got anything on it, and Antoine Winfield Jr. almost intercepted it when he overthrew it. So they were trying to protect his inability to throw the ball 30 or 40 yards deep down the field anymore uh, by having him hit shorter passes, shorter drops, and the Bucks sat on that. The Bucks played more aggressively in the Superdome last night uh, up on the line of scrimmage. That's why Michael Thomas did not register a catch in part. They were very aggressive, double-teaming him, taking him away. And then you factor in Devin White, the highlight you just played, the rookie or the second-year linebacker out of LSU, who is really uh, a tremendous uh, speed linebacker, sideline to sideline, 11 tackles yesterday. He was back for the first time in three games. You put all that in the same stew pot, and you get the recipe for the defensive performance that you saw, sir. 
You spoke about the defense and uh, the way that they played. They certainly uh, shut down Camaro, so they kind of took that running game away. And we were talking about it in the first segment here on the show today. It almost seemed like the defense of Tampa Bay was more on page with with what Breeze was going to do than the receivers in that in a couple times. I know the second interception, Breeze was irate about it, and I still don't know if he was mad at himself for making the wrong read or the receiver, but the bottom line is Tampa Bay came up and did what they needed to do, but they seemed more in sync to Drew Breeze than Drew Breeze's teammates, who he's played with all year long. Yeah, I think you're right, uh, especially on a couple of those where uh, you know, you could see by the look on his face, uh, I mean, who are we doubting that they ran the right route or the wrong route when Drew Brees is staring at you? So, But uh, they, they, got, they got rattled. They got rattled after halftime. They got that drive to take the lead, the Saints, the touchdown drive. And I, again, put this out there, it's obvious. We have talked about this so many times on your show. I've talked about it everywhere, and it's obvious that without crowds at games anymore, guys, you, you just don't know what, what, what games would have uh, turned one way or the other with the home crowd going crazy. If the Saints had gone back on defense up 20-13 to 13 with 75,000 in the Superdome where you can't hear yourselves, that is a totally different circumstance and hill to climb for the Buccaneers to try to come back from. But in this case, there was no crowd noise. There was no crowd there. Despite, I mean, CBS and, and Fox are doing a great job of pumping in uh, effects crowd noise that is not the crowd noise that you're hearing in the stadium. It's just, it's not. There is some roaring of the crowd, yes, but it's not near what you're hearing on a TV broadcast. So that I think that was a huge factor, TC, no. was there, there wasn't a crowd to feed off of. What the Saints usually did feed off of inside the Superdome wasn't there. Brady kept his composure. The Bucks got the game retied with Leonard Fournette, a, na- a native Louisianan, Getting the uh, getting the touchdown to help tie the game, and Devin White, who's also from Louisiana and LSU, making plays, and, and the Bucks were just better when this mattered the most. And so it is sweet to be still alive and in the NFC Championship game. Absolutely, he is T.J. Reeves, a Bucks sideline reporter, rejoicing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers' victory over the Saints, thirty to twenty, on yesterday. Uh, who said T.J. Reeves that hey you can't beat a team you know you, you, it's easy to beat a team three times in, in the same season right who said the Bucks don't match up well against the Saints we'll throw that all out the window because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers got the job done and really it was Tom Brady who was better than Breeze yesterday and like we talked about last week this is why the Tampa Bay Buccaneers got. Tom Brady. This is why Tom Brady went and got Gronkowski. That's why he went and said, hey, Antonio Brown, come this way as well, too. Even though those two guys, Gronk and Antonio Brown, really didn't have too much to say, really the story of the game was Brady, and he didn't throw a high completion percentage yesterday, but the two touchdowns and no interceptions, that was a dealio. The four turnovers by the Saints, but credit the Buccaneers' defense, that's what got the job done yesterday. Yes, and, and again, uh, Brady has been fantastic. The previous five games, I know competition, we talked about this on your show last week, competition was not great, even the Washington football team with a losing record, but he was averaging over 325 yards in the last five games, playing at such a high level. And this was a game where you didn't have to have that. And sometimes when you're winning a third postseason game or a fourth postseason game, you're going to have to win them different ways, like you, you guys are talking about, with defense or the run game, which they had. And you're right, Antonio Brown tweaked his knee late in the first half. We still don't know as we sit here at 2.45 Pacific time, your time, 5.45 Eastern time, how hurt is that knee? I can tell you Bruce Arians was very cryptic. I've told you that I've talked to a couple of people. I can tell you that I've talked to a couple of people that there is concern that he may not be able to play uh, with whatever he did in this NFC championship game. So they had to go on without him. Uh, he was, Brady, very close to hooking up with Gronkowski a couple of times. Close doesn't count, but the ball was right there, probably about a yard overthrown a couple of times, including like the second play of the game. He had Gronk down the sideline for about a 40-yarder on the, on the second play of the game, taking a shot down the field and just missed him. So I, I still count on those two. I still roll with those two. But, yes, Brady found other receivers as this game went on. I mean, Mike Evans only had one catch, the touchdown. So you had to find other guys, whether it was Scotty Miller, uh, whether it was Chris Godwin a couple of times in the clutch, Cameron Brady, the second tight end. He is so good, Brady, at being able to spread the ball around, including throw it to Fournette out of the backfield. Um, it's just amazing. And it's amazing to contemplate. How about this stat? 
that Tom Brady is about to play in his 14th conference championship game. 13, obviously, with the Patriots, now one this year. The rest of the NFC South division, including the Buccaneers' four appearances, this is their fourth, the Saints, the Falcons, and the Panthers, have not appeared in the NFC championship game over over the last 51 years of it. They've not appeared 14 times. He has in his own career. That's remarkable. All right, a lot of talk about Tampa Bay going to the frozen tundra to Green Bay. I can give you right now the temperature uh, slated for 25. What's the update? 25. What's the update? Breaking news. Okay, I'll give you this. Oh. This is T.C. Martin overlooking Lambeau Field here on 1265 Lombardi Avenue. A little chilly today, but as I look across uh, the great uh, Midwest there, as a uh, ballpark, Frank, I'm waving to him, uh, you know, three and a half hours down the road in Chicago. Yes, it looks like uh, we are going to have uh, some overcast skies come Sunday at uh, 2.05 Central Time. High of 25 degrees, 50% chance of snow flurries. Wow. I don't look uh, for that to be that much of a big deal. Now, North- wait a minute. If, hold if on, I'm anything, not done yet. Hold, hold Northwesterly winds, 7 to 10 miles like per Las hour. Vegas. If it's anything like Las Vegas weather people, Tampa Bay weather people, or Green Bay weather people, they do well to get the weather right two days from now, Wednesday. Are you telling me this is the ironclad lock forecast that it's 25 with a chance of snow, that that looks like what it is? It's not going to be worse than that is what you're telling me. It's not going to be like 10 degrees, right, or zero. We're not going to get that. You're not going to get that. They're not going to screw it up that bad. They don't don't get uh, that screwed up in Green Bay. Not in weather. Not not that bad. But, yeah, I mean, uh, it actually could be even a little bit warmer. Uh, come come game time. But 25, 50% chance of, of snow flurries, so you should be okay. But let's remember, Tom Brady played in plenty of cold weather. As it, did Gronkowski. It, it, that's right. true. Now, and, and we know that Brady said yesterday, whether he was half-joking or not, but I think there's a little bit of validity to it, is that, you know, you're, he said his uh, blood is thinned out since moving down to Tampa. <laughs> it and does. It does. It does. And we know that. I know hey, mine has done that. So in less than a year, he, though? I think so. But anyway, bottom he, line is hey, he's he used to the cold. so far he's used as to, to say he's never spending another winter in the Northeast. That's why they sold their <laughs> place in New York and in Boston, because he's understood now November, December, and January, I'm dressed in shirt sleeves a lot of the time and not having to shovel snow uh, out, of, out of the driveway to get the car out to be able to go uh, to and from. So you're right. He has played in a lot of cold-weather games. Probably the most recent one that we remember, it was really cold, freezing temperatures, below freezing in Kansas City when they came from behind and won that game in overtime a couple of years ago. And Gronkowski was involved in that game, beating Mahomes and company uh, when they came back to win and then went on to win the Super Bowl, beating the Rams. Uh, but numerous times in New England, yes, and a couple of other Buccaneers, Jason Pierre-Paul, played in the cold a bunch, including in the postseason with the New York Giants earlier in his career. Chris Godwin has played in the Big Ten at Penn State with a lot of cold November games, maybe even some snow, etc. You have a couple of other Buccaneers uh, that have played cold-weather games, not necessarily in the NFL. So we'll see how much of this is really a factor. Clearly it's an advantage for Green Bay. They play in it all the time. They practice in it all the time. Of course, I don't know how much they really do practice in it because I believe they've got the indoor practice bubble now also, like most of the teams do. How often do they stay outside? I remember in the Favre days when you were there, TC, he would relish that. Let's go out. Let's practice in this. Let's practice in it for two and a half hours because we're going to go play in it for three or three and a half hours. He would love that. I don't know if the current Packers still adhere to that, to get ready for the cold, but that's what Favre used to do back in the day. Yeah, no, they, they both, they do. They, they still practice outside regularly, and it depends on what they're working on that day, that they will go in the facility, uh, the indoors facility, but then they will go outside uh, probably, usually about two days a week is, is usually the norm. But playoff time, especially when you've got a game coming up with the magnitude of this, yes, they will be outside and that, that won't be an issue. So the big issue, TJ, I think, though, isn't so much the weather. It is really what you're going up against. And you're going up against the high-octane number one offense in the National Football League with Aaron Rodgers. And it's just not that. It's the offensive line who really doesn't get a whole bunch of credit. And you've got an all-pro and Corey Lindsay there at center. But the rest of these guys, they are playing for each other. You've got Aaron Jones now going crazy. The Packers are relatively healthy. you got Devonta Adams, who really wasn't even much of a factor 
going against uh, Jalen Ramsey for the Rams. They didn't need that, but this defense is pretty unsung as well, too. So I think instead of the weather that Tampa Bay's got to guard against, you're going up against this machine in the Green Bay Packers right now. And we could talk about Brady, you know, not having the best accuracy. If there are going to be some gusts of up to 20, 25 miles per hour, yeah, that could affect him. But I just, I just don't know how Tampa Bay is going to match up with this Packers offense. Well, and that's uh, and that's the challenge. Now they did very well for what it's worth in October. They got behind ten nothing early on in the game, and then they did play a lot of that press coverage, a lot of what we saw yesterday in the Superdome, and bothered Rodgers and got a couple of interceptions off of him. Got the pick six by Jamel Dean in the second quarter. Got another interception on the next possession, and really flipped that whole game around. And from there. Todd Bowles was bringing the blitz on about every play, or at least two out of every three plays. They were bringing the blitz and getting sacks and just had Rodgers rattled. I still uh, remark about that game that I was down there at field level in the front row uh, covering it in the operational zone, and in the fourth quarter of the game, Brady is over with eight minutes to go, laughing on the sideline with Rob Gronkowski while the backup's in, and Aaron Rodgers had already been pulled at the beginning of the fourth quarter because – uh, LaFleur and the coaching staff was concerned about him taking unnecessary hits because they're down by 28 points in the fourth quarter. It was crazy how one-sided that game became in basically two and a half quarters. So do I expect that? No, I don't expect that either way. I don't think either side is going to run away with this, save for the Buccaneers committing several turnovers and, and huge blunders in the first half. They will get blown out if that happens. There is... I don't think there's any disagreement from anybody that the Bucks go up there and do what the Saints did, for example, in the second half yesterday, you're going to get rolled in this game. But I don't see that. They've taken care of the ball. They've only turned it over two times in the last six games. I know some of that's the level of competition. Uh, we'll see about uh, the whole thing with Brady handling the cold and throwing the ball in the cold and, and whether the receivers can hang on to it. Clearly that's a Packer advantage, but I think this is a close football game into the second half. Yeah, and, and and certainly we will see how it plays out. And, of course, Tampa Bay just went to a historically tough place to win a game on the road, but without the normal fans, it's not a full stadium. Does that have any effect in this game? Because there were some Packer fans at Lambeau Field. They're saying they might even let a few more in for this game here. It's still certainly not going to be anywhere near a sold-out Lambeau, but if there's more fans in the stand, does that help Green Bay out, or is it just what goes on between the uh, – the goalpost and everything else on the gridiron yeah, to think, decide the game. I think it's more on the field. Yep, and I don't. I don't believe they're going to have any more than eight, than eight or nine thousand. And I was, uh, you know, I've been saying this to uh, numerous shows, and I was saying this right here with you about crowd noise too. It looked a lot more full. The same thing with the Kansas City game yesterday, where they had the eighteen thousand or whatever at Arrowhead. It looks a lot more full when people are standing up the entire time than what it actually is. Uh, and again, the Buccaneers have played most of this season in front of sixteen or seventeen thousand, which again it looks empty when you're looking around in a sixty-five, seventy, seventy-five thousand seat setting. But I don't think they're going to have much well, more than that let me, in Green Bay, and it just sounds louder on TV, let, guys. Okay, than what it actually well, let me is. say this: I knew people that were at the game uh, on Saturday in Green Bay, and, and you could see <laughs> that they brought people down to the lower bowl, so they didn't have anybody sitting up, up there high. There was nine. Right. There were nine thousand fans. Is what they were saying, they could have as many as eleven or twelve thousand coming up this weekend. I'm going to call my man Mark Wagner, the uh, director of ticket operations over there, and uh, get the lowdown. I'm going to get the really lowdown. Yeah, good luck getting yeah. through to him. Yeah. By the not, way, not good, a problem. Good luck getting that call Rang him up last week because I was curious on how they did it with the tickets. Because as you know, there's only a 20 year waiting list. You know, 200 thousand right. people there in Green Bay. Like, okay, how are they determining how are they getting the tickets? But the bottom line is, so what they, did they it was do? But, lottery? But, they did a lottery but, yeah. for that but exactly. the last couple of games? Exactly. So here's the deal. But this the, that place was rather noisy because you had people coming down. And believe me, and the they NFC were pounding game, piece of the woods or they, something that they had there, too. They let beautiful, stuff in. Beautiful marketing <laughs> as they handed those out Tip, outside the gate. Typical Green Bay cheating. They let the fans in the city and no. give money to the team. They Every little thing that they can circumvent wait, the rules wait, with. Listen, wait, it, we have a breaking news sounder. Nunchuck, do we have the breaking news? Are we on the breaking news? 
Are we, do we have a controversy with noise-making instruments being brought Listen, in? What is this right I, out of ECW I, professional no, wrestling? No. What are, what are we allowed the other day against the I'm land? Gonna, I'm going to say until Frank gets his uh, Brown County uh, driver's license and residence, okay? Pipe down over there. You don't know nothing about Brown County and what happens in Green Bay, Wisconsin. I know they cheat. I never saw you at any of the city council meetings, my friend. I know they cheat. They Jeez. let, they, they let yeah. the fans invest in the team. Nobody else gets to do that. No one's investing in anything. <laughs> they get a stupid little piece of paper like you and I have in front of us, this little thing. It says you're a, you're a, a stupid uh, cha- uh, shareholder. It means absolutely nothing. Go put on your cheese head. It color it blue and orange. It obviously means something. But by, by the way, why would I trust you? You told me for years what TC stands for. That it's too cold because you're from Green Bay or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And now I know the truth after doing the show with you all season long. It stands for teaser card. <laughs> oh, very nice. Very nice. Guilty. I'm glad he punched the teaser card with the Buccaneers plus 10. Thank you very much. Bring it back to the beginning of the conversation. All right, brother. We will let you go, man. Uh, This may call for another TJ Reeves sighting later in the week. I think we need to do it. I don't, I don't know if I can handle it. There's only so much my blood hey, pressure and listen, an aneurysm can handle to be on the Bottom line is, I mean, you, you love coming on. You've been relegated to Terrible Tuesday. You, we thought that was a natural <laughs> fit for you. When I said, wait a minute, oh, we're going to have you on a Thursday. Now we're having you on a Monday. You're leading us off. Our kickoff coverage, not kicking the ball out of bounds. No fair catch there. And there they go off to the post. It's TJ Reeves down the street. Oh, he pulls up lame in the snow. I don't know, my friend. I hope you get a chance to go to Lambeau Field, okay? Do what you can. I know you guys, the broadcast crew, you couldn't come out here to Vegas. You guys don't travel on the road. Get to Lambeau Field. Talk to the powers that be. Let me give you all the food spots to go to. Plenty of pictures galore. Heck, I might fly in. I might bring VGK Frank with me. Oh, dear God. That's it. We'll meet you there. That's a warning that Wisconsin cannot handle right now, that you may be headed back there with VGK Frank. I don't know about that. The the big question that I want to know is, does the family get to supersize everything in the drive-thru since you got another week of work ahead of you? Well, we were rolling through another week. Like I joked with you, the one twin I had to share with her this morning, you realize daddy's still working. We got another check. You got to get on board the Buccaneer bandwagon just like everybody else. So she's on board. We're on board. If you need me later in the week, let me know. We'll see how that forecast is. I'll keep you up to date on what's going on with the Buccaneers all the way here in the Tampa Bay area on the other end of the country. But it's great to be talking Buccaneer football and the and the NFC Championship game. First time in 18 years we've been able to say that. And for the first time ever, you could be playing the Super Bowl in your home stadium. Let's don't get too Mm. far ahead of ourselves. But we are going to have you on later in the week because you know there's going to be a wager between you and I on this game, my friend. All right. That's right. Very good. Get ready. All right, Pewter. Pick out what you want to lose to me and go (laughs) ahead and uh, and put it on the line. Get those those teaser points from him. (laughs) (laughs) Take care, my man. TJ Reeves, a Bucks sideline reporter there. All right, you got it. And there it is. And we have to have a little bear fan in the background just sitting there just throwing jabs at us. Unbelievable. It's okay. All right, hour number two on the way. Don't you dare go anywhere. We look at the AFC when we come back. T.C. Martin Show on a Monday.